And now we head to our in the field. Now, putting a garden on top of an office block or an apartment block, that's not so unusual anymore. But building a garden on top of the family home in the suburbs, well, that's not something that you hear about very often. But we're about to visit one such home in the Melbourne suburb of Coburg. So Jan Ryan went outside, but up top, with Emilio Fuscaldo, architect and green roof garden owner, to take a look. Okay, so we're just... Climbing up the ladder now to get up to the roof. Well, we're up on the roof, so why did you build a, a green roof? Okay, well, we didn't want to compromise on sustainability with this house, and we wanted to demonstrate that even on a small block and in the city, you can achieve big feats of sustainability without having to compromise the design, look, or feel of your house. Now we're in the suburbs, I think. That's right, we're in Coburg, um, about seven kilometres from the city. You can see the city just over there. Yeah, I can see this kind of cityscape and it feels very close. It's a fairly conventional suburb, there's regular houses around and, and everything. This is an, an example of urban infill. This is a model of densification of the suburbs that doesn't require developers and doesn't require loss of amenity to your neighbours. This is a doubling of the number of people on this block. And no developers were involved. And the original house at the front, where we bought the backyard from, is still remaining. So in terms of sustainability, this is a great example of how to keep building stock, keep the streetscape, keep the quality of the suburb intact. This uh, section where your house is and and the green roof was once the backyard for the um, wooden house in front. Yeah, that's right. So they sold that at an auction. We bought it. This block was 600 square metres, 650 square metres, and we bought 180 square metres of that. It's north-facing and faces the laneway, so we've got nice amenity and access to the back. And our house is 80 square metres. The green roof component is 60 square metres. The greenery we're standing on is is grass. This patch in the middle, which is yellow, dry. And, it's a bit dry. Summer, <laughs> summer grasses is grass. Then we've got five different types of succulents planted around the edges: um, chicken and head, and ladyfinger, lamb's ear, and they're all doing really well. It doesn't get watered up here. We did have an irrigation system. We don't turn it on anymore to save water. Mm. There's 200 millimetres of soil below our feet that goes mm. down to the roof. Now I can see bees and things floating around there as well. So obviously there's a, a, an environment that's starting to grow and, and shared with the neighbours as well. Yeah, I mean, um, that's what green roofs do. There's a part of, part of the green roof that allows for, I suppose, local and urban habitat to continue. It's a safe place for them, apart from the cats who visit up here. Oh, do they? How do they get up here? They climb the ladder. Climb, they jump on the water <laughs> on the water tank and climb up here. Um, but they're safe from dogs. It reduces the amount of stormwater runoff, which is uh, quite crucial to local council. I mean, if you compare it with our neighbour who has paved their entire backyard. Mm, the amount got a swimming pool. Of, the amount of heat that's radiating off their paving into the environment is significant, but mm. we're sort of absorbing a lot of that heat. Up here and looking over the neighbours' uh, development, which is quite substantial, they would have, I would assume, a loss of privacy. Did that issue come up at all about rooftops being a place where you know other houses lose the privacy of their back garden and so on? Uh, we, we didn't um, envisage that this space is used as a private open space. So essentially 
and this is the same as any other roof, and we get up here to do maintenance. Of course, we're doing a lot more maintenance than than, than our neighbours are doing on their roofs. They probably never get up there. But we're probably up here once every six weeks. And look, to be honest, no one's raised privacy as an issue. And in fact, we sort of wave and have a joke. And uh, you know, I, that's not to say in the future with new new neighbours it'll be different. But for now, it seems fine. Uh, why don't you come up here more often? It's actually beautiful. It, it's a garden. It's got beautiful plants. We can keep crickets and things. The birds are around. It seems like a perfect retreat. Yeah, especially because I've got two little boys and a dog and a cat. It's uh, very nice to be up here on occasion away from everyone. The reason we don't come up here is simply because it's very busy for us mm. and a busy lifestyle. But look, when we are up here, the benefits and the and the views uh, and the cool breeze that comes in the afternoon, it's just, it's glorious. And it's nice. Coburg is a very built-up and hard landscapes, a lot of concrete, not many trees. So, so to be in a landlocked uh, suburb like this and to have a bit of greenery and catch those breezes is beautiful. The grass itself, what do you do here? Do you mow it or um, could you have a, a, put a lamb up here or something? Yeah, <laughs> you put yeah, a little yeah. animal up yeah here? it'd be nice to have one of those. No, just the whippersnipper around half an hour and it's done. So, And I only do that once or twice a year. Oh, okay. So that's why it's very yellow because we don't... Um, lawns you need to maintain you need to crop them and you need to feed them this lawn we don't do that it just comes and goes with the seasons have you thought about growing wheat or something like that up here could you do that do you think um i'm not sure about um, we haven't explored other options we have grown vegetables up here so we've had uh, tomatoes and zucchini up here and they did really well but they require a lot of maintenance and they're seasonal so they'll die and come back so we wanted a, an option where maintenance and gardening wasn't the priority it was a, sort of a low maintenance garden for us in the future hopefully that changes how does it work with a green roof with plants on the top how do you keep the house dry if you think about the roof structure as a sandwich basically with lots of layers there's a waterproofing layer which is like wetsuit material it's very strong and robust on top of that is essentially a drain which is a horizontal flat sheet drain they use actually under the mcg so the water as it comes through the soil hits the drain and is whisked away down to the back of the roof and then collected by an ebscot and goes back into our water tank so the drainage is very quick as soon as it's raining you can see water coming out of the back of the garden have you noticed uh, the effect with uh, your bills, your electricity bills and so on? Has it kept the house cooler in summer and warmer in winter? Yeah, I actually had a architecture student from Deakin University use this house as a case study for his thesis, master's thesis, and he pulled together all sorts of numbers for me. So what we found was in winter um, we have hydronic heating in the concrete slab. We've noticed a 27% reduction in the use of gas. Everything for us is gas. We only have a minimal amount of things on electricity. So you don't notice the, the electrical bills are cheap, but they'd be cheap anyway. The average temperature last year outside was about 32 degrees and inside it was 25. So there's that 6 to 7 degree temperature differential. And as an architect, what are your clients asking you for? Are you advising them to do roofs like this? Or what's what's been this sort of ongoing outcome of this? Uh, it's been interesting. A lot of people get in touch and want to do it uh, retrospectively on their existing houses, which is incredibly difficult to do. Um, there's a few people who want to do it from at the outset, 
but what I'm finding is that people don't have the money. So conventional roofs about ten grand. This cost us about thirty. So there's about twenty thousand dollars. Which when people are struggling with their budgets, that's at twenty thousand dollars that they recoup very quickly. You've just got to find the right client who has the financial means and also the foresight, I suppose. The, the readiness. The readiness to do it, yeah. Well, I think it might be starting to rain, so we've got to climb back down the ladder. Thanks, Amelia. <laughs> Thank you. Architect Amelia Fuscaldo there speaking with By Design's Jan Ryan outside up top having a cup of tea. Don't forget to check out By Design's podcast. You can download it from our website or head along to iTunes and grab it from there and, and why, don't you, why don't you do a little review and a rating while you're at it. But that's the program for today. Uh, our producer is Jan Ryan. Joe Wallace is looking after the sound and my name is Vanella. And do stay with us because Michael McKenzie is up now on RN with First Bite. <laughs> 